0: Is the scripture up there, Sharon? Okay. Oh, yes, that's right. I can look. Thank you. I'm not used to that. and Thank you. I mean, I'm getting used to it. Thank you so much. It's right there for the people that are up here. Uh, the scripture today, um, the Lord guided me towards so many things he had me studying the past several weeks, but to home it in, you know, to synthesize it into today, John 1, chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. You can read the scripture with me. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So for several weeks, the Lord has had me in a zone, and when he gets me in a zone, and Beth can attest to that, I'm sitting in the house quietly, and I'm listening. And I turn the TV off, and I've got maybe uh, once in a while in between lots of listening, I turn on the message, uh, Sirius Radio, the message, or 95.5, the fish radio, and sing, and he does a lot of teaching me through, through singing, but uh, yesterday I did go to the Lions event last night and had a wonderful steak dinner, sat with a whole table of church friends, Paul and Colleen, Pastor Floyd and uh, Phyllis Ann, and, and it was a great group. And so I, you get to just rest in the Lord, and we all have to take time, as Pastor does too, to, so that you can get refreshed again and go again and trudge, trudge onward but we have to rest. And then the Lord blessed me last, yesterday with lots of um, football gout, you know, what is it, gorging on football, because I was watching Ohio State, and then I went up to the Lions. I came home, watched Notre Dame, and I was just yelling and yaying and loving those big football, those football games that, on Saturday. So he blessed me with that refreshment. But for a couple of weeks, I was like, Lord, what would you have your, your message be? It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about individuals. What would you have me say for you to the church? And it's about being the church. And uh, it finally just came to me yesterday that all the different titles I tried to put to it, it was just being the church. And then Sue mentioning the greater church, he, he fits it all together like a glove all the time, and it's just amazing how he does do that. And list, reading the call to worship I know that he was just doing just that and walking on uneven ground is quite precarious I do a lot of walking on my property for my exercise I have a bicycle machine in the house two stationary bike but walking is my favorite so the dog and I walk the property and get our get my steps in but this time of year the ground is softer and then as I walk around our, my pond Our family pond, uh, there's muskrat holes. And when I come across the muskrat holes around the pond, man, it sinks. So you're thinking maybe a walking stick to catch yourself, grab the dog, and just don't go in the hole. But it's quite precarious when you come across a sinkhole. And life is such, too. There's sinkholes and uneven ground. The Catholic and broader corporate church is is going, as Sue has mentioned, is going through changes with many potholes i've got one in my front the road on indian hollow too that's right where you put your garbage cans out. there's a big one that you try just not to get sucked up in and twist your ankle and i pick up pieces and throw it in the garbage can but we have to beware and be on guard and be alert or we will will fall as a church something to ponder do we gather moss bear fruit or crumble on the road to Emmaus the disciples failed to recognize that Jesus was in their very midst they were personally experiencing him as we have not and they didn't know it was him until later on when he offered the, the bread and the wine will they know we are Christians by our love that's a song that we've sung just recently After we leave this earth, will they know we we were Christians by our love? I've been reading a book entitled Your God is Too Safe by Mark Buchanan. The women at Parma Ridgewood Methodist Church are using it for women of faith. Currently on Saturdays when they get together and they're discussing the book, and I heard about it on Facebook, so I got myself a copy. And Eugene Peterson writes the The foreword, and Eugene Peterson is the transcriber of the Bible, the message, which he tries to put those scripture words into words that people could understand, the common person. He mentions in his foreword that what is our daily life story? Are we set apart in a good way as Christians? Because we are different. We're supposed to be set apart. Whether we like it or not, we're different as it's supposed to be. The formation of Christian life requires three things, he was saying. The stories that are told, well told that we keep passing on from generation to generation. The scriptures sharply imagined, you can just imagine the Israelites walking through that parted sea, visualizing it in our brain. And the language that we that skillfully used. And a lot of the language nowadays is as we all know is terrible people are not choosing their words wisely but we're supposed to do, be, do do it differently our stories are our identity of who we are our stories form us but today society has this going on test test scores, census figures, medical data you have to do that before I went to my doctor checkup. fill all that in Do some of it online, and then when you get there, sign this release form and all this privacy stuff. Psychological profiles, academic transcripts, economic status, work performance is listed somewhere in, in data in our life. Religious affiliation, racial category, political opinion, and moral behavior. What about inner identity, our relationships in our life? which are even more important. Identity is to know something really about us, not just those figures and statistics. That's what distinguishes us as people and as Christian people. The formation of the Christian life requires that we will be unique by the way we live. They will know us by our love and the way we live and the stories that we've told before we leave this world. Scripture reveals that God presents, he is, or excuse me, he's present and at work in our world. You can simplify Christianity because people want it to be easier to be a Christian. If I'm going to be a Christian, you know, I'm going to set some guidelines here. And that's not exactly how it works because that book talked about our God is not safe. He is unpredictable, he is mysterious. We try to just make, put him in a, safe box and I know years ago our church had a shirt I still have that shirt about you can't put God in a box because he'll he'll burst out so our relationship with Jesus Christ is everything how do we summarize God's revelation in scripture and in our lives we've all got these stories to tell as individuals which makes us church and church being all of that is strong Should we reduce things? But details are essential. God is a person, not an idea, whom we are living with and for. And when scripture is depersonalized, we lose the very ground beneath our feet, and it can cave in. Grafton's pastor was here, and he talked about Jonah. And Jonah was a unique person. He had, just like us, hardships, then he had to have perseverance, and he always had hope in God, eternal God. Although it gets, of course, super shaky, toss God out the window, he's not working for me, but that's, again, when we're trying to make God a convenience for us, a safe God, and he is not that. He's unpredictable. He's mysterious. He does things his way. And then when he does things his way, we're like, wow, never thought of that. He zings it in. Language is life-deepening and enriching. Jesus used language to proclaim the kingdom of God, to call disciples, to forgive sin, to heal bodies, to rebuke injustice and hypocrisy, to express love and teach truth. Our present culture is using degradation to sell and propagandize and bully and demean people and to mislead and gossip and cheapen even Christians and even more so attack the Christians. We're under attack. They're trying to put us into a category of customers that they can handle and deal with and they can't believe it. We just can't control those Christians because you just can't control God. Those living in the Christ-formed life are trying to be passionate and attentive with our use of language. The Christian life is not to be cheapened and diminished as a whole. We have a history of this Christian formation from the beginning of time in the stories told in Scripture and in the message that are simplified to help people nowadays. We're set free into the, we can now be holy wild and on holy ground. And even that holy wild has parameters. We can't do whatever we want. There are rules in life, which is, I know it's hard for people to understand nowadays. We're different and we're supposed to model that so people can have a richer, freer, fuller life in Christ. And it's not a convenience the potency of Christianity though is is supposed to be positive even if we are like Eeyore a pessimist or a gloomy Gus he works with us when we're all that and we all take turns being all that we're all in different stages some of us are resting and some of us are trudging and some of us are in between and, and, and we're lifting each other up meanwhile but are our stories good ones the beauty of the earth comes and goes, just as we've seen with the beauty of fall recently in the fall colors, and God's creation is all around us. Are we working to take ourselves, however, to a higher place? But of course, you know, we can be complacent, church. We can be pessimistic, church. We can all, if we're all yours at once, that's not good. We can be stuck in the mud. We can wallow, but we need a tow truck, and somebody else will pull us out. And that's our job. I've been pulled out by tow trucks before. But we can be jaded and dulled by too much indulgence and wanting everything to be just wonderful. Thereby missing the point. Go back and want to be in those comfortable old ways with our safe God. And we can rebel and resist, but he's always got hold of us, and he's so patient with us. But that safe God, it's it's awfully cozy if we can try to control him, but don't even try because we won't. But we all keep trying to control God and life and the way things should be. He uses all things for good, and we don't know how he's going to do it, but he does. We refuse to change when we disagree or look for. But do we look for the middle ground? Is church looking for the middle ground and compromise rather than staying stuck? Is there a new way to be used jointly? You know, my way strict, your way, his way less strict. But in the middle ground, we can go higher. God will take things higher if we only let him we have to let him let him work and not spread the gossip and rumors wait to see what he's going to do as in Samuel who was very wise King Samuel the two women were fighting over the one baby because the one baby had died and it's my baby that's my baby and he said well we'll just divide this baby in half I'll get my sword and cut it in half and of course the real mother said give the baby to her she wanted the baby to live and then Samuel in his wisdom said that's the real mother I'm giving the baby to you our pastor says we have to digest scripture and that's what the Lord had me doing for the last two weeks I mean in the zone totally only doing thus Dishes piled up in the sink, the usual for me anyway, but even more. But he had me in the zone to digest the scripture and what I'm really trying to say to church. Study more and ponder and take things to heart and then use the things that you've learned. I learned more than what anything I can impart today is he had he was teaching me. Luke was the known as the doctor in scripture. That gospel he was the doctor. We all need one now. I had a doctor checkup this week, physical. We all need one. Christ can be our doctor if we only let him. In the early days of the Jews' experience, there was so much gloom. Pharaoh's chasing them, all the plagues and everything happening. He just will not stop chasing us. But there was hope when God parted that sea. When you think of a spectrum and its opposites and somewhere in between and you think of the colors in the rainbow and the blending of the colors is beautiful and supposedly, I've read a lot of heaven books, supposedly in heaven there's colors there that we could never imagine on this earth. Things will be so different. The middle ground can be where everything blends together. Um, Heaven forbid... This person might have to compromise on this side and this side, and let's find some common ground. You know, sorrow is the opposite of hope. Awe is the opposite of self-pity. Wonder is the opposite of worry. Belief is the opposite of doubt. Cynical and hopeful are at at odds. But on that road to Emmaus, the disciples had encountered the risen Christ. The experience was an experience of searching wonder, wondrous, wonderment, mysteriousness, and a burning in their heart that they couldn't explain that changed them, like John Wesley's experience. Resting is the opposite of striving, but we all need rest. Yet they're at odds, and yet through rest, after rest, comes trudging onward and renewed spirit, and strength. Is there distrust and pessimism and contempt? Of course. Or is there a conviction and a firm belief? We have the lure of freedom when we're trying to be say, stay in a safe zone. Between Uganda and Kenya, there is they were explaining in the book I've been reading that there is a borderland zone between the two countries and a lot of people choose to be there because you don't have to be a Ugandan and you don't have to be a Kenyan you can just be an individual and you can be different and you can be in there and they don't even want to come out of there I, I think of my friend Lynette and she doesn't have a place she's in between but yet she, she's craving a place. We can't stay in between forever. People have to finally decide something, but of course it's easier when you go, well, I haven't decided. I haven't committed to anything yet. I just, you know, do my own thing. It's easier. It's safer. They want things to be safer. But it can be a hiding place. But you know, unless you have Christ as our ace in the hole not good. but you can't control him, of course. but we know he's in our life and he's holding us up. He's our foundation, our bulwark, He's our strength. How do we go beyond that safe place and that, that God we can't control and we just have to let him in and know that you can't, we can't control him. We have to be church, be his hands, we have, the church has to have the wisdom of Solomon now for sure. And in Psalm 34, if you delve into that at all this week, it's all about deliverance. He had me reading Psalm 34 again and again and again. In summation, God is reaching out further, and He is mysterious in mysterious ways, and the world doesn't know Him. Big problem now. All that freedom they want, no rules. Yet the ruler of the air is trying to blind us to his way, to his ways, because that's the devil's job. I've got them in the palm of my hand now. Look at they're a mess. Okay, they don't know what they have nothing to believe in, and boy, you're in his grasp. The church's job is to go and make disciples, Isaiah 2:17, "So the pride of man will be brought low." And the loftiness of men will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Boy, amen. God made himself known to Gentiles. He wants to make himself known to a broader spectrum of people. It's how he's always had a history of using negative events. Other people are coming to know him. You know, but are people included or are we excluding? Where's the middle ground? And in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes of God's expectations of church conduct. Church has to be a family, an assembly of God, and a support and a bulwark and a foundation of God's truth. So, scripture, scripture, scripture. Without God as the foundation, it's nothing but a sinkhole and sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are we trying to do better so that we all can move forward? Are we bringing people with us or leaving them behind? Amen.